Hello and welcome to our latest Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm Emily Kahn. After some of the most turbulent times in a political chapter that's already broken many precedents, we're taking stock today of what's changed as a result of the recent political sand shifting and what that means for businesses trying to plan for the ever-changing Brexit horizon. Today I'm joined by regular Beyond Brexit podcasters, our head of Brexit, Andrew Gray, Caroline Turnbull-Hall, our master Brexit scenario planner, and a Beyond Brexit newbie, Julie Leonard, who's a director in our central government practice and is working with the government on their own Brexit preparations. Thank you all for joining me. Now, Andrew is joining us remotely today from a top secret location. So I'm hoping you're on the line now. Andrew, just testing, can you hear us? Uh, yes, Emily, I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. Great. Caroline, I'm going to come to you first, if I may. Um, what a week we've had politically. Um, we've talked about uncharted territories before, but this truly has been unprecedented. Just give us the lowdown. Where are we now? 9th of September saw uh, a huge amount of activity in, in the House of Commons. Um, the government's second motion calling for a general election on the 15th of October was defeated. Yeah. The Ben Bill to prevent the UK leaving the EU without a deal became law. And finally, Parliament was prorogued. Now, the suspension of Parliament is a, an absolutely standard part of the parliamentary timetable. It signals the end of one session and heralds the start of the next one. But in the current climate, uh, this prorogation has attracted much, much criticism and has been ruled unlawful by the Court of Session in Scotland. And that was on the basis that uh, the motive behind the prorogation was to stymie the political scrutiny of the executive. Quite. So, I mean, a lot of legal and political moving pieces there. Just kind of break that down for us in plain English. Where does that actually leave us? What's the net result of all of those things? I think simply the net result is that everything's uncertain and it is in a state of flux. But focusing on what we can say with certainty, yep. at the moment, the legal Brexit default day is the 31st of October. Um, the Prime Minister is bound by the law, so he will have to comply with the requirement to seek extra time if a deal isn't reached by then. Uh, we don't have a deal at the moment, other than the one that was agreed uh, with Mrs May. And for now, Parliament is prorogued. Um, I think the other certainty, or perhaps almost certainty, is that we won't be seeing a general election before Brexit Day. Okay, really helpful, thank you. So that's kind of where we are, and I'm really sorry to ask you this question. I hope your crystal ball is working well today. What might we see next? The next major milestone will be round about the 17th of September, when we have the Supreme Court hearing the appeal against the Gina Miller case, and also the government's appeal against the uh, Scottish Court's um, uh, order that the prorogation is illegal. So. That is, that is going to be a very big milestone. Yeah. After that, I think the next big week is the week starting the 14th of October. Um, if prorogation is upheld, we'll see the Queen's speech on the 14th. Uh, following the Queen's speech, there'll be a vote um, on, a, on the motion on the Queen's speech. And if that's defeated, I think it's highly likely that Labour will bring a vote of no confidence in the government which could lead us to a general election in um, late November. That week also sees the next EU Council meeting, which is due to meet on the 17th of October. Yeah. 
And if no new deal comes out of that meeting, the Prime Minister is then bound to seek an extra extension by the 19th of October. Quite. So quite a lot of milestones ahead. Yeah, big week that week. I better make sure that I've got no annual leave planned. Um, right, Andrew, I'd like to come to you next, if I may. Um, so we've had a kind of political and legal update there. So what would your advice be to businesses who are trying to plan against this backdrop? What should they be doing now to prepare? So I think from a business perspective, uh, our view is sort of broadly consistent. Whilst, I think as Caroline's explained, uh, there's been a, a huge number of developments in Parliament and politically generally, um, and whilst a short while ago, we might have thought that the risk of a no deal was much higher and going up. I think our view is that whilst um, a number of the political events have certainly reduced the risk of a no deal, um, there's still a reasonable possibility that that could actually be the outcome. So unfortunately, I think businesses need to continue to focus on that as a credible scenario. And for many, it's going to be the worst case. So uh, that's, the, that's the scenario that firms um, should should focus on. So in the event that there is a no deal on the 31st of October, uh, are firms ready? Now, the firms that are impacted the most are going to be those that have got cross-border activity, be it import or export of goods, or are part of supply chains, uh, where that's going to be uh, a core part of their business. Uh, those people that, uh, those businesses that uh, provide services on a cross-border basis, particularly where those services are heavily regulated. Um, so all of these businesses, and we've, we've highlighted uh, previously on Sunny included on our website, a number of no regrets decisions or actions that firms can take um, in the event of a hard Brexit. I think we'd still be very much recommending uh, that firms continue to investigate ways which they can protect their own business in the event that that, that is the outcome which does result. As we know, as, as We've said before that's the legal default so unless there are some specific actions which prevent that becoming the case um, then no deal is absolutely what firms need to be ready for. Thanks Andrew um, that's really clear now you and I are talking to colleagues across the firm and indeed clients around the country every day about Brexit preparations at the moment I'd be interested to compare notes with you if I may about to what extent you feel the business community at large is preparing in that way um, in light of the advice that you just gave us? Yeah, Emily, I know, I know you and I have regular conversations about this. Um, and I think what we've seen, certainly from over the course of, of the last six to 12 months, is that increasingly those businesses that are in the heavily regulated space, so principally financial services and pharmaceuticals, um, they've invested considerable amounts of money They've established uh, licensed operations either in the UK or, or in the EU, depending on which direction of travel they are uh, interacting uh, across the UK-EU border. Um, they've gone through a huge amount of investment to get those businesses ready. Um, what they haven't done in some cases, though, is actually press the button to move business because until we actually are just about to leave the EU, um, then you can still conduct business as, as, as you do today. Um, but I think that they are very ready. Uh, I'm sure there will be some disruption and some issues with firms that are that well progressed in their plans. Um, but I think, you know, on the whole, there's, there's sort of a, a reasonable belief that they are going to be capable of operating going forward. Um, once we come outside of the heavily regulated sectors, then 
the, the view that we see and continue to see, larger businesses quite often are more ready than, than smaller businesses. Um, but even there, and, and even with small businesses, there's a huge variety of level of preparation. Uh, some firms will be absolutely ready. I mean, the government's taken steps uh, to, to uh, support businesses, the issue of EORI numbers um, uh, and, and guidance uh, generally. Um, but I think we are seeing still quite a variable nature of plans. And also, some of the firms that I think have taken steps uh, for the earlier date at the end of March, 29th of March, for a potential hard Brexit, um, some of those are the dated plans. Some of those are going to find uh, a 31st of October hard Brexit more difficult. So I think we'd certainly encourage firms to look at all of the options uh, that are available to them in terms of protecting their business. Uh, one final thing I would say is that, um, that the government's uh, publication of the Yellowhammer report, which highlighted uh, its uh, view of where, where some of the critical uh, issues were going to be and some of the, the negative consequences of a hard Brexit. Uh, I know we talked about it being a worst-case scenario, but I think firms should actually take a look at that document and think to what extent might some of those issues apply to me um, and have I taken steps to address them um, or other further things that I can do. Great, yeah, completely agree with all of that. Julie, I'd like to bring you in now, if I may. Um, one of the no regrets decisions that Andrew just mentioned there is about taking advantage of government schemes. Now, you're working with the government, so perhaps more familiar than most with what those schemes are at the moment. Perhaps you can give us a rundown of what businesses could be making use of. Thanks, Emily. Well, the view from government is that we are absolutely leaving on the 31st of October. And with that in mind, it has launched a whole array of um, messaging and support for businesses to help them take the actions that they need to be ready to, to trade in the case of a New Deal exit. So there's four key things that it's done. They've launched a new Get Ready website and um, a big campaign. And within that, there's a lot more guidance for businesses, including step-by-step -step guides that are specific to uh, different sectors. It is also Hold Your Week, this 9th of September. And as part of that, they've done a new Hold Your Handbook. They are creating pop-up stands along the motorway to support holders. Okay. And DEFRA has also been um, publishing a lot of new guidance around uh, border inspection posts. Secondly, they're engaging a lot more face-to-face. -face. Yeah. So there is now um, a roadshow across the UK, uh, where I think there's about 20 events that they're planning. There are events in Northern Ireland as part of Northern Ireland Invest. Um, and there's a lot of webinars also targeting UK businesses. So by going on uh, Get Ready website, gov.uk, you should be able to find where that activity is taking place and hopefully signing up. Thirdly, there's a big focus on the EU, which is uh, kind of a big new priority, is to make sure that EU importers mm -hmm. and EU transport companies, particularly haulier uh, companies, know what they need to do, both from the EU member state and the UK side. So there's 30 industry events happening across the EU between now and the 31st of October, and there's a whole array of webinars targeting EU businesses. Great. And then finally, there's an HMRC um, grant scheme. They've put 16 million more money into their pot to be um, helping small and medium companies that are currently or in the future probably will be submitting customs declarations. And so you can apply if you are domiciled in the UK uh, for some grants to help you with training of your staff or improving your IT systems. Okay. Again, go to gov.uk to find information. And that scheme's running until the 31st 
of January or until the money runs out. Okay, super. Thank you very much. Um, that's really clear. One of the things that, that I've heard a lot from clients in recent months is that there's actually so much information available from government, it's sort of hard to navigate and know what's most significant to your business. Would you say that's been improved by these developments that you've just taken us through? Yeah, I think government's very much heard that loud and clear. And one of the things they've done is they've created step-by-step -step guides on the gov.uk Get Ready website that try to summarise the key steps um, businesses need to take for certainly to import and to export. Um, they've also, on their gov.uk um, website, put a link on each page to explain exactly what's new on that page so that you okay. don't have to read the entire thing all over, which I think is quite useful. Yeah, that's good. Great. Um, so regular listeners, and indeed Caroline and Andrew, you will both know that I'm a big fan of Brexit myth-busting, and it feels like we've had a, a whole new wave of myths emerge in light of recent developments. So I'm going to ask each of you to bust a myth for me today. Andrew, why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. We always try to make sure that we remove the myths from people's uh, minds. So I think mine, uh, as we talked about earlier, the, the fact that Parliament has taken steps to require uh, Boris Johnson to ask for an extension if a deal hasn't been reached, um, the, the idea that that completely takes no deal off the table. Well, I think we recognise the fact that it, no deal is the legal default. So whilst Boris would be required to go and ask for an extension, um, it's possible that something, some problem occurs with that or that it isn't actually agreed that we have an extension. So I'd certainly make sure that firms recognise that no deal is absolutely still a possible scenario that needs to be thought about as they, as they plan over the next coming weeks. Absolutely, completely agree with that one. Caroline, how about you? Well, the myth that's been in the press quite a bit is that the Prime Minister is above the law and can ignore the provisions of the Benn Act, so wouldn't have to seek a formal extension. Um, that is a complete myth because the Prime Minister is bound by the law just as everybody else yeah. is. Um, it, these statements may be posturing, but at the extreme end, um, ignoring that law could be the criminal offence of misconduct in a public office. Right, quite. Um, Julie, I'm going to come to you. What's your first Brexit myth you're going to bust? So this is not my own myth, but there is uh, a whole EORE Mythbuster document that HMRC has put now on its website, on gov.uk again. And I think there's four myths there that it's trying to bust around EORE, so hopefully that's useful. Brilliant. Four for the price of one. Thank you very much. Um, thank you all very much and thank you listeners for joining us today. Lots for businesses to reflect on as they think about how to future-proof themselves. Um, we've talked throughout this Brexit process about how businesses are craving certainty, but if the last few weeks have told us anything is that certainty is still some way off and perhaps agility ought to be our new buzzword. Um, you can, as always, keep up with the latest Brexit developments and our insights on pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. Bye for now.